Well, um, as we've been going through the songs of ascent, we, are now, uh, we have now ascended to Psalm 133. We're on, the, we're on the 14th step now, making our way up into the courtyard of God. Amen? So here we go. I'm going to just read this psalm to you. And I went with the Amplified today. It seemed like an Amplified kind of day. And I really liked how the Amplified laid out Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil of consecration poured on the head, coming down on the beard, even the beard of Aaron, coming down upon the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon, coming down on the hills of Zion, and there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is a very cool picture. This is a very cool picture, and I want you to, I want you to kind of grab a hold of, let's just begin with the beginning part with that oil, that consecrating oil, that anointing oil poured over Aaron's head. It's poured over his head and it's coming down. And you know, the thing about this anointing oil, by the way, guys, is it, it's, it's a fragrant oil. If everybody that, who's been anointed with oil, you get around me like, you smell delicious. I kind of like it that essential oils have gotten really hip again because it, it reminds us that, the, that we are to be consecrated. When you're consecrated unto the Lord, how many of you know other people can smell it? Other people can tell. It's supposed to work like that. So this anointing oil, it's coming down the head, Aaron's head. Who does Aaron represent? Jesus. It, he represents the priest. He is a priest. And, of course, we're a kingdom of priests now, but we have a priest in the order of Melchizedek, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus was anointed. He was anointed for what he did. It's that picture of anointing. We've got to catch that. The Holy Spirit is the one that anoints us now. But that oil that's being represented, that oil that's cascading down the head, it's Jesus' head. In another place, in fact, uh, it talks about Jesus being the head. Let me read that. Let me read that scripture to you. Colossians 1.18 says this, And he, speaking of Christ, is the head of the body, the church. We're the church, aren't we? We're the church. We're the body of Christ. You guys know this. We're the body of Christ. And Christ... Christ himself, he is our priest. He is the head, and we are the body. That anointing that is on Christ is cascading down, running down the hem, running down the body, and anointing everything that the body does, empowering and bringing the fragrance of Christ to everything that the body does. So you see this picture. Are you guys seeing that? The fragrance of Christ. Now, how many of you guys know that your body doesn't do much without the head? Right? It does not do much without the head. And nor do we operate well without the head, which is Christ. So if there is an anointing that's on Christ, if there is a consecration and Christ was set apart to do a certain thing, what is it that that priestly head, Christ, was anointed for? Well, first, let me just finish this scripture. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, 
whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The first thing that we see even here as we're looking at the head, which is Christ, we see in the second paragraph, God was pleased to have all of his fullness, the Father's fullness, dwell in Christ and through him, Christ, to reconcile. Say that word, reconcile. Yeah, that's a big word, isn't it? Reconciliation. It means to be put back together. And then it uses that word, it says, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace That word is shalom. Shalom means peace, but it also means wholeness. It means that nothing is missing, everything in its place. When we pray Jeremiah 29, we pray for the shalom of God to be in the city, which means everything is accounted for. It means that there's unity. It means there's a grace where things can fit together as God desired. And in Christ, that is what we're anointed to do. Do you see that? Isn't that beautiful? But it goes on. It goes on. We as the body... Led by the head, the head is the one through whom reconciliation comes. So anything that we're doing is going to be reconciliation. I went straight to tongues there for a minute. It's going to be, oh, it's not going to happen. We're going to be getting back together if we're getting with Jesus. So what was that anointing that was on Jesus? What was the anointing that was on Jesus that caused him to be reconciliation? It's not happening. I was looking for a name, a word I'm trying to make up, but reconcile will work. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. So we're looking at the priest. We're looking at the head. It's being anointed. Here's Jesus, the head of the body, the head over the whole church, and he has been anointed. And what is that anointing? to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for all the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Come on. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That anointing that's on Christ is unto, he has been consecrated unto, accomplishing Isaiah 61. We are the ones that have been given an oil of joy, come on, instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And then we have become, because of that anointing, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I'm going to get back to that word display, so just put that one, bank that in the head for a minute. All right, And then, under the anointing of Christ, he's been anointed and consecrated and set apart to do these things. As he does those things, we get grafted into what he's doing. We're the body of Christ working with the head under his anointing. The anointing is flowing down, empowering us to do something. What are we doing? Rebuilding the ancient ruins, restoring the places that were long devastated, and renewing the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. It's amazing, isn't it? And, and you got to be anointed for that, by the way, because this is hard work. It does not just happen. We're going to need an anointing for that. 
We're going to need to have that, that anointing that's flowing down from the head and coming into us, the body, flowing over, causing us to have the fragrance of Christ, the power of Christ in order to engage in what he's doing. Amen? So let's keep going. But this is the anointing we've been called into. Let me read it to you again now. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil of consecration poured on the head, coming down on the beard, even the beard of Aaron, coming down upon the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon coming down on the hills of Zion, and there the Lord has commanded the blessing, live forevermore. This is what, this is what Christ is doing. This is what we are a part of. This is what's happening. This is what God is engaging with, and we're taking, we're taking a look at that now. How does that, how does that come together? This head, this head, this, this priestly head where it begins, this anointing is coming down, and we say, okay, Christ, you are the head. You're anointed to do something. We, the body, we want to engage in what it is that you're doing. We are, we are a part of what you're doing. Okay, Lord, just tell us what it is. And after this, Jesus says, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So we're called to know God. Now, it's interesting, if you'll, if you'll notice here, oops. at the end of Psalm 133, it says this, the Lord has commanded a blessing, life forevermore. The Lord has commanded a blessing, eternal life. You got that? So how do we get eternal life? Last, look at the last um, sentence here. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So the only way we can have that blessing is to know God. Are you guys tracking with me? Now, he said that eternal life is to know him, to know Christ, to know the Father. So what does he, Christ, the head, say to us will be the proof that we know him and have eternal life? How do we know that we know what we think we know? Well, I'm going to tell you. John 17, 20 through 23. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. If they are one. He says this. I'm not praying just for these disciples. I'm praying for the folks that are sitting in Christ Center in 2018 that, they, that will believe in me through, their word, through the word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus banks the entire message of eternal life on us being one. He unpacks it even a little further. 
He says, and the glory which you gave me, this is Jesus speaking, the glory which you gave me, I have given to them. How? That they may be one just as we are one. What is the glory of Christ? That he's one with the Father. He gives that glory to us. And he says this, the glory which you gave me, I have given to them. That they may be one just as we are one. The glory of God that's demonstrated on earth, the splendor of God that's demonstrated on earth is when we are one. The glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The proof that we have that the Father loves us and the proof that Jesus is willing to bank his reputation on is that we be made perfect as one. The anointing that's coming down from the head, which is Christ, that comes down upon the body, empowers us and is designed to empower us to actually be one, to actually be in unity. The glory that Jesus prayed to the Father, that we would carry, that he said, I give it to them, that's us. He just said a moment ago, I don't pray for just the disciples alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. How did we all hear? Through the scriptures that were written down. Who wrote them? The apostles wrote them. And others wrote them when they heard the apostles speaking. We've heard the word. Now we believe. Now what's happening? Through the word, we're learning to be one. And Jesus is saying to us right now, the glory of God on earth is that his people are one with him and one another. Is it getting in there? Because I just said it like five times in a row. And I'm just getting excited each time more. That the world may know. That the world may know. The power of God at work in us. That the world may know that God actually sent Jesus. Think about that for a minute. He didn't say that the world will know because someone got healed, although that does speak of his glory, but that's not what he's saying here. He didn't say that the world may know just because someone told them good news about Jesus. It's in the word, but it doesn't say this here. He didn't say the glory that I give to them is that they'll do mighty works and the mighty works will make the world know, although mighty works do speak of the goodness of God. That's not what this says here. It says they will love each other in such a way that people look at them and say, these are the people of Jesus. The anointing that was on Jesus' life is all over this body. And this is how we know that God actually sent Jesus. Look at these people. Look at them. It's undeniable. This doesn't, this doesn't happen in the world. They don't just get along. They actually love each other. They don't just agree to disagree, which oftentimes, by the way, is just contempt. Contempt says, I don't care what you do with your life. Go play in traffic. Be free. I don't care. That's not love. That's contempt. Permission is not love. No, we actually love each other. 
Let's keep going. If they are one, dwelling in unity, I'm summarizing this verse, the world will know that you sent me and that you love them. The world will know that you love them because they're actually one. And think about the opposite. If they aren't, the world won't. If we aren't dwelling together in unity, the world has no proof that God actually sent Jesus. How are you enjoying your power? It's, it's, it's little fear of the Lord there. I have a responsibility to be in unity with other believers? No. No, I just love them from a distance. Well, that's not what Jesus said. John 13. Jesus is speaking. So this is the head. He's been anointed. Isaiah 61. The oil of anointing. The anointing that Jesus was called to is flowing down to the body. Jesus is speaking to us, the body. And he says, a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Now you notice that he's taking the original second commandment, right? We know the law and the prophets. They're all summarized in love God with all your heart, strength, and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, but I give you a new commandment. I don't just want you to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. How many of us have had someone who loves me as much as they love themselves and it was not very awesome? Because they didn't love themselves very much and they treated us accordingly and we're like that hurts and ouch no he says I want you to love me I want you to love your neighbor I want you to love those in your life as much as I love them I want you to extend the kind of love that I have had what kind is that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us this is love not that we loved him but he first loved us we're actually called to love first we're in a race with each other to love, to outlove each other. I love you. I loved you first. <laughs> and he says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one another. He brings it right back again. You want, you, you, Jesus is, do you guys get this, that Jesus is actually banking his reputation on how we treat each other? First John 2.19, this is, this is not my favorite scripture. It, it, I'll just let it speak for itself. He says, but they went out from us. They did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. That just start, that's just a sad story right there. How do we know that, how do we know that they're not with us? Because they're not with us. How do I know that you're not in unity with me? Well, because you're gone. How do I know that you weren't in a covenant with me and the Lord, he and me and he and you and you and I and him? Because you left. And by this I know that you're not here because you're gone. It's painful, isn't it? And he says this, but you have an anointing. There's that word again, isn't it? You have a consecration. You have a, an empowerment from the Holy Spirit flowing down the head, which is Christ, down the beard, onto the hems of your garment, an anointing. And, and it says, 
from the Holy One, and you know the truth. I don't write to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. You see, when we're taught of Jesus, then we know that he's banking his reputation on you and I choosing to love each other no matter what, choosing to walk in unity no matter what, choosing to forgive no matter what, choosing to be vulnerable and transparent and live in a covenant as the people of God that the world would know that our dad sent Jesus. That's the truth that Jesus has taught us. We don't depart from that. We don't, in fact, it's everything. It's the glory that he gave us is that we're actually able to do that. The splendor of God on earth is that we love each other. And we know that. And that anointing makes us know that. And and here's the good news. If you don't feel that way, ask him for the anointing. Because this is what that anointing does. The anointing from the Holy One enables us to stay together in fellowship with Him and one another. The truth His anointing teaches us is to stay together. Together is unity. Now I wanted you to catch something. You notice that I didn't say agreement is unity. We agree in this Christ and him crucified, risen on the third day. We agree in the teachings of these scriptures. But there is room for us to disagree about lesser things. Believe it or not, Jason and I disagree about some things. He's wrong about many things. (laughs) But I don't fire him. I've tried. The elders won't let me. But I'm just kidding. No, no. I honestly, I don't, I don't, I love that Jason and I disagree about things. And, and, and here's, here's how I really believe truly that we're to operate is we stay together. Iron sharpens iron. We don't, we don't focus on what we disagree about, but you know what? We kind of enjoy it. I enjoy it. Do you enjoy it? I didn't ask about this. Sometimes, yeah. But here's, here's how I frame this, and, and, I, and you, can, you can steal this from me. It's all good. We can take stuff from each other in a beautiful way. Borrow this anytime you want. But when Jason is wrong, then what I tell him is, dude, I think you're wrong about this. This is how I read this scripture, and this is how I feel like it's working out, and, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like the, the, uh, the nuance you're bringing to it. I think my nuance is way more nuanced. And... We're going to ask the Lord when we get there and we see dad face to face and we, you know, have our new bodies so we can just look him right in the eyes and not (laughs) explode. (laughs) The new bodies don't explode. This one does. Then I'm going to ask him who's right. And Jason, you're going to owe me a dollar, you know, and it's okay. I'm okay with that. And, you know, but, but truthfully, truthfully, if we are saved into the house of God and we are. We're being built together as the body of Christ. We are. The head is Christ, and dad, God is our daddy. And you know what? There's room for us to disagree in dad's house. But you have to stay in dad's house. You see the difference? See, unity is not that we agree on every little little point. We agree about dad. That's how we got in there. 
We agree about Jesus. You can't get in without Jesus. We've received the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, which is teaching us all things through the scriptures. And then there's a lot of latitude, isn't there? But I'll tell you where there isn't latitude. When you leave. And 1 John says, they went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. If they'd belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. See, we were created to belong to each other. I belong to you, and you belong to me, and I need you. I don't, I need you. When you're gone, there is no shalom because you're a part. And shalom means all the parts are accounted for. Isn't that good? 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from every sin. I want to slow that down for a minute. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, oh, that sounds deep, Lord. What's going to happen? We walk in the light. Oh, then we have open visions. No, God tells us other people's secret sins. No, I do greater works than my neighbor. What does it say? We have fellowship with one another. I have dinner with my neighbor? <laughs> yes. And do those other things except for the part of exposing people's sin thing. That was weird. But do all the good stuff. Have all the fun. Have the revelation. Pray for the sick. Raise the dead. Do those things. Prophesy. Give each other words of knowledge. Encourage one another all the more as the day is approaching. Just understand what the most valuable thing is to the Lord. That we remain in fellowship together. Because destroying the works of the devil is not the thing that Jesus pointed at when he said, this is what will make the world know that my Father sent me. He said, if you love one another and are in fellowship together and stay together, the world will know that my Father sent me. These signs will follow you. This is what you must do. When we get that backwards, what do we end up doing? We just run off for the next fireworks show. And we don't realize that that fireworks show is happening because those guys stayed family. It's just following them. Are you with me? It's such a... It, how many of you are comforted by this word? I'm comforted by this. I'm comforted that God has actually trusted us with his reputation. I mean, it freaks me out a little bit. It, free, it gives me a holy fear, like, oh, your reputation? Are you sure you want to leave that with us? <laughs> and he goes, listen, I've anointed you for this. I've, I've prayed that you would share in my glory, that you could be one and have fellowship together, that you could demonstrate how love can actually endure and that when you disagree about stuff, you don't take your ball and go home. Start your own new club. The world already knows how to do that. They don't need another example of that. I want to show the world who Jesus is. And they'll know who Jesus is if you stay in unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity.
it is like the precious oil of consecration poured on the head, down on the beard, even the beard of Aaron, coming down upon the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. It's like the dew of Mount Carmel coming down on the hills of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Behold unity, life forevermore. Where there is fellowship with God and with one another, God commands the blessing of eternal life. Amen? Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for making us one. Let your anointing teach us how to remain in fellowship. Let your anointing Teach us how to love without leaving. Teach us how to follow your voice, to show us where our tribe is, that we would be planted and that we would remain. For we are one family and we are one body. In Jesus' name, be glorified, God. Be glorified in our fellowship. Amen. The prayer servant team's coming forward, and we would love to just bless you and pray for you, encourage you, give you a word of encouragement, whatever you need. God bless you guys. Have a great week.